to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett and The Oath. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight we have a very interesting and I would just say a, a very deep insight into the complexities and destruction that our military is waging on its own soldiers. This is an interview with Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. She is a 25-year-old Marine who is literally standing up against the Marine Corps for the illegal order to force a prototype or what do we call it, experimental injection, the COVID-19 vaccine, onto his soldiers. And she has been under a siege by the Marine Corps, basically, to try to get her out. This is a young lady that is now going into her second court-martial attempt by the Marine Corps to get her out. And the first one having been uh, dismissed, she's been thrown in the brig, and all she wants to do is to serve as a Marine. Even to this day, her goal is still to stay within the Marine Corps and serve and eventually become a drill instructor. So this story is going to be is amazing, and it's amazing amount of courage of someone who is literally Gen Z, who is leading a fight single-handedly, even defending herself in the court-martial hearing to stand up against for her rights and what is her duty and honor as a, as a Marine and as someone who swore an oath to the country to defend against enemies foreign and domestic and to avoid ta- obeying an illegal order. This is courage, and this is something I hope you'll all take to heart and really get behind her on this, because this is an amazing testimony tonight that you'll hear. And Patriots, before we begin tonight, one thing that is becoming exceedingly clear to me, especially in this allergy season, by the way, is keeping your air clean in your home. One of the challenges we have is pollutants, especially in this time of season with and with pollen in the air, we also have viruses, we have bacteria, we have dander, we have dust collection, we have all sorts of things that cause irritations, and even mold. EnviroCleanse is a small portable unit that can sit in your any corner of your home. I've been having one run in the studio. It's absolutely fantastic, and it will recycle the air and filter it through a HEPA filter and also through what is an earth mineral fil- filter that they have patented. This entire system is actually used by the U.S. Navy to filter the air in ships, and now it's available in, in the home. Now, if you head over to their site, which is ekpure, ekpure.com, that's E-K-P-U-R-E, pure.com, use your promo code BARGE, you're going to get 10% off. You're also going to get free shipping, and you're going to get with it a free air quality monitor so you can actually see how this works. It's a fantastic system. I've been completely impressed with it. And so much so that like my studio during intense pollen season, and I do get affected from time to time, like right now, 
It's almost like a safe haven or going into a safe room of safe air, clean air. So check this out. It's again, ekpure, ekpure.com. The unit is an Enviro Cleanse unit. It's a fantastic technology, American made, 100%. And it's just something I think you should consider for your home. So check that out and use your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, and get 10% off. You won't be disappointed. Well, Patriots, we understand very clearly the what's been going on, at least from the outside-in look at our military and how our military has continued to wage a war against its own soldiers. Not only do we have a military that has gone crazy and woke, demanding that even sergeant majors, when they go through their academy, have to attend gay pride events to learn the sensitivity training of what it is to be gay or have your weenie cut off and have a snip and tuck. And there, the military is supporting things like those extreme agendas, including paying for the surgeries of people to get castrated or to have women get a fake weenie put on. I mean, this I'm not exaggerating when I tell you this. They're also paying for all the logistics and the other issues that go on with delivering hormones downrange. Now, all of that is one craziness. But the other craziness that we are dealing with right now is still this COVID-19 stuff. Now, the Pentagon's mandatory requirement of getting given the shot has been rescinded. But Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett began her resistance to this right from the very beginning. And she has been put through absolute, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say hell, I would say a, a perpetual sense of harassment and, harass- and hazing by the core in which she swore an oath to serve. And all because she wouldn't comply with an illegal order. Not only was it an illegal order, but it's it's something that was is obviously proving to be delivering extreme damage. Now I highlight this because you've now heard last week from a lieutenant colonel that was Brad Miller, who had been the former lieutenant colonel of the 101st Airborne Rockinsons Battalion, amazing position. When he refused to take it, they removed, relieved him of command, and then he resigned his commission. Huge, huge deal, especially for a West Point graduate. But we also have here at the same time, quietly going on here, somewhat quietly. I mean, she's been in the news a bit, but a young lady of 25 years old who is literally standing up against the Marine Corps, trying to stay in, trying to get them to remove these flags they put on her file because she didn't take the shot. She's already defeated one courts martial, and now they're going at her again for a second one. This is quite a story, and this is a story of just how bad things get when commanders obey illegal orders. They get called out, especially by a lower rank. They then get put in a box. They're they're put in a bind in all of this because she's now challenging the essence of what it is to be a soldier in the Marine Corps. Remember, the, the warfighter manual in the Marine Corps is like from the 50s. This is a Gen Z person. I have to highlight this a lot for you because in the military right now, one of the big challenges is in recruitment and in creating a modernized, very adaptive force is that you need to have young soldiers. Well, Gen Z is a particular generation that's learned a great deal and is very mature. When I say learned a great deal, they've looked ahead at the millennial class and they don't want to be like them. They're not going to just blindly go along with social media. They have, they're much more interactive. They're very inquisitive. They ask hard questions. And the biggest thing that they want is to know the why of things. Why should I do something? In an obedience system, which the Marine Corps is probably most of all the military, they are the most directive and obedient in their system. That model doesn't work well just from the get-go. 
And yet this is what's being required across the board. What you get out of this is you get a soldier that is, when you have a soldier like this, you get a soldier who has a purpose and a reason for doing things and they will commit themselves massively to this. This has been ongoing now, by the way, for about 10 years as they retool basic training and the entire leadership model of how to address a modern soldier. Well, Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett is a model of that. She is asking the hard questions, ask the hard questions, and in spite of that, it inflamed her command. So this is a story, this is her story tonight. I'd like you to listen to this. I think you're going to find this very compelling. I know I did. And I look at this as well as the courage of a young lady, 25 years old, who, as you will hear, not only has she been through one court-martial, but on her second one now, she's defending herself, standing up against the United States Marine Corps, against the U.S. government, against DOD, and calling them out and having them hold to the oath and what they're expected to do. That's really, really amazing. Before we jump in, Patriots, one last thing. Make sure that if you are in this time, we know that these are they're going to use food as a weapon system. This is a war we're in. Make sure you're stocked up, you're ready to go. Make sure you've got long life food on the shelf like My Patriot Supply. Patriots, you've seen the dire headlines we're facing in the world today. Everywhere you look, things are falling apart. That's why the smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. We've seen supply chains break down, food processing plants burn. We've seen animals cold because of so-called viruses. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes. Imagine a moment in the future where grocery stores could be empty, roads closed, and trucks won't be able to make deliveries. When that happens, you need emergency food in full supply. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in food lines. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. It's easy to order. Go to preparewithbards.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. Preparewithbards.com. Do this today. You won't regret it. Preparewithbards.com. All right, Patriots, with that, allow me to introduce you to Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. Well, Patriots, today I'm very honored to have somebody who's been fighting this mandatory vaccination within the military. And this is Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett, a Marine. She has been through a lot and has fought against the mandatory injection. It's cost her time in the brig, which for those aren't in the military means essentially military prison. She's um, now fighting for her life and her case in front of a courts martial hearing to either allow her to stay in the Corps or be removed with potential consequences. We're going to hear all about that here very shortly. So that's Corporal Catherine Arnett. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Scott. Thank you so much. And thank you to your audience. Hi, Bards of War, everybody listening. So let's start a little bit just about you, when you went in the Marine Corps and kind of what you were doing and what your motivation was. So I joined in September of 2018. And I was really, really drawn to the allure and the mystique of the female drill instructors. That's that's really what I wanted to do. 
uh, with my Marine Corps career. And I thought after boot camp, you could be a drill instructor right after boot camp, but that is that was not the case. So uh, you have to get through uh, your first enlistment and then re-up. But I was I was just drawn to the legacy of the Marine Corps. I was drawn to the history, um, and I thought that it could provide some discipline, some spirit, and some direction in my life as well. Is anybody in your family ever served in the Corps? My grandfather on my dad's side served in the Air Force, but there are no Marines um, in the family. I suppose I'd be the first one. So your training was, I think it's about three months. Is that right for your basic training or boot camp, you call it, right? Yes, that's, that's correct. Three months. Okay. What was your specialty? It was MOS 6672 Aviation Supply. And within that area, you have financial um, positions as well. So I did aviation supply for nine months, and then I got moved to a squadron, which was the best thing of my life. I worked defense travel system and Citibank, uh, the government charge card management program for two and a half years, and fell in love with my job, fell in love with the squadron, just loved helping Marines, and uh, it's why I fight so hard, uh, you know, after all this hell and heartache to, I know it's a long shot, but to just have my job back, because that's all I had ever asked for um, through this whole COVID debacle. So where were you stationed? I was stationed aboard Marine Corps Air Station Iwakuni. Uh, that's on mainland Japan. And so your family's in the States or other places? Yes, they're in Texas. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this COVID thing. The COVID initially rolled out, the discussion of the injections rolled out in about April or May, actually, of 2020. Was there any discussion internally in the military of this was coming? So formally and officially, no. Um, a lot of people like myself had the ideas, the inklings, the premonitions that it was definitely going to be made mandatory. It was just a matter of when, and it pretty much made for a sick waiting game. Um, yeah, there, there was nothing like put out officially until the SecDef really uh, you know, made, made it mandatory in 2021. So what got your alert up that this wasn't a good thing? So I had started seeing some videos about the concept of medical apartheid, and that really sickened me at, uh, at the time. And I started looking into vaccines. I started looking into um, just the background, if you will, behind who is pushing these things, what kind of control that they want. And it, it just it just started to look really sinister to me. And, you know, I kept going down the quote-unquote rabbit hole and learning more and more and more. And I had a wonderful roommate who went down the rabbit hole with me. Um, and I, I hope that answers the question. Uh, but that that's kind of what alerted me to it, just uh, medical freedom being infringed upon. When did the injection become mandatory when it started to cause problems for you? 
SECDEF made it mandatory August of 2021, and then it trickled down and eventually became mandatory aboard the base in September of 2021. It was like either September 10th or September 12th. And by that time, some people on the base had already gotten it, like back in May, June, July. And September started the whole corralling the unvaccinated for like talks and symposiums to listen to the commander say, hey, this is mandatory. You got to get it or else there's going to be consequences. And of course, we all know what the consequences were going to be or some kind of idea of them. But I, at that point, I was like, oh my gosh, this is insane. I am, I'm literally going to I'm literally going to go to jail and get arrested for doing my job and speaking out against unlawful things. And it's, it's really sad because I appealed to my leadership. I'm like, please don't let it go this way. Please don't let it go this way. Retain me. Let me have my job. Let me contribute fruitfully. And I, and I wrote them appeals for like, what, a year and a half. And I even said, dog don't send me to jail please like you know this, this is how it's gonna end up if y'all keep retaliating against me and well lo and behold it happened um so let's talk about what that looked like when you say retaliation what does that look like as soon as we started having meetings in the auditoriums held by the commanding officers i started asking questions i stood up and i asked the hard questions they shut me down in these uh, auditorium meetings. They pulled me into offices after these um, auditorium meetings. They were like, you can't be saying that. We're going to write you a negative counseling. Um, you need to stop. So that that was just the first month. Uh, that was the first month. The next phase kind of looked like the unvaccinated in general being barred from the Marine Corps ball. Um, not being able to participate in like squadron held functions, um, having to wear masks, being singled out, being hounded to wear a mask if you weren't. And that's the second month, right? And then I would just say in general, the next few months from like December to maybe February or March, it just looked like a waiting game, kind of like limbo, because that's that's where most unvaccinated service members were awaiting their letters of, you know, being being let go from the, from the Marine Corps, their 30-day letters, their five-day letters, their basically administrative separation paperwork. And then basically once they gave me my administrative separation paperwork, that's when a whole new world of retaliation started. Like the other ones were just like, okay, this is a commander saying, you got to listen to this. You got to shut up. After, after I had gotten my administrative separation paperwork, I went to my commanders and I'm like, this is unlawful. If you're separating me for this unlawful vaccine mandate, it's unlawful to separate me. And ooh, they were not having it. They were I started and, and I was writing them appeals, the request mass system. I'm like, don't separate me because I am not separating. So that's whenever they, and this is April, May of 2022. They started taking away my car. They took away my automatic pay. They took away my driver's license. They took away um, 
my job. They took away my squadron from me. They exiled me to different squadrons to just shuffle me around and exhaust me. Um, it, it didn't work. I'm still invigorated as ever. But um, I mean, they've shit, they've exiled me here to California. So it, it, it never ends. But uh, the whole court martial uh, system, you know, started picking up. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what retaliation looks like. And all the way up until uh, being kicked out of your barracks and then being cornered by your command. And ooh, we could go into this deep. We could go into this one deep. But being cornered by your command at the end of January 20, at the end of December 2022, for them to stack charges on you. Like I, I knew, I knew what they were doing. I'm like, y'all are y'all are wild y'all are wild for stacking charges so deliberately and heinously on me like this all the way so they could arrest me and justify putting me in jail just to get rid of me so yeah that's what retaliation looks like there was a point you ended up moving off base and then into an apartment with somebody is that right no i was on base i i was on base living with a friend um I was on base living with a friend whenever they kicked me out of the barracks and made it basically a hostel, um, just, just, just this hostile and frigid and really lonely situation. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go live with a friend on base, which, oh my God, they were trying to tell me like, oh, well, it's, it's, uh, you're breaking a station, uh, base order if you're living with someone on base. And, and, and I'm, I'm protecting my friends' identities. I'm, I'm protecting the locations and everything. Um, but it's just sick because you're on base. You have a right to have the housing. It's, it's, it's insane. Now, I, I, never, I never went off base. Um, I stayed on base and showed up to work just like normal and everything. And... All right. So you were on base. You were kicked out of the barracks. Where did they expect you to go? exactly my only my only answer to that is exactly um they they were like yeah i mean we can let you talk to the barracks manager and of course the barracks manager for the new squadron wasn't available so at that point in june no in july right at that point in july of 2022 i wasn't taking any chances they'd taken my pay they'd taken my car they'd taken my work they'd taken my squadron they'd taken everything at that point and i'm just like okay Y'all are not going to mess with my personal belongings. Y'all y'all are not going to mess with my personal belongings. So I just, I moved everything out. I'm just like, okay, so be it. From that, then it escalates, correct? Because at a certain point you are confronted, at least they want to come in and interrogate you. Is that correct? Okay, right. So yes. So the first time they kicked me out of the barracks was July of 2022. And then... January of 2023, right? Separate instances, complete separate instances. But at this time they had said in January of 2023 that you can't even enter the barracks building. Like you cannot set foot or visit any of your friends here in this barracks building, let alone your room. So I was basically kicked out again. (laughs) Um, And yes, this is where the interrogation comes in. they wanted to for some reason on a friday early like a friday in early january they were telling me hey 
why don't you want to move barracks room to your new squadron? And at that point, I'm just, I'm, I'm remaining silent. I'm, I'm not giving them any ammunition. I'm, I'm doing my best to just, to just mind my business. And they're like, okay, well, if you don't want to answer me, and this is a major, he's like me, a few other people with shiny things on their collars and probably a master sergeant. We're going to, we're going to meet you in your room later tonight. And he said later tonight, mind you, he didn't say this afternoon. So he said later tonight, he's like, we're going to meet you in your room tonight. And we're going to see why you don't want to move. And turns out that he like shifted the time to like two in the afternoon. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I don't have any like friends to go with me. I don't have any witnesses to, to like witness this and at this point I'm like oh my gosh this is it this is this is where they're gonna corner me this is where they're gonna arrest me I think this was on like January 6th right January 4th or January 6th I'm like oh my gosh they're gonna arrest me they're gonna interrogate me they're gonna they're basically gonna um corner me and get me to make like confessions or statements before they read me my article 31 bravo rights because they're gonna try to be like oh well she's not moving barracks so we have insubordination on her so you know I was like oh my gosh this this is the end game they're they're really ready to just arrest me and get rid of me this is crazy I hope that answered the question but yeah that's how the interrogation started um it was this year in January at what point did this escalate to being arrested so from the days of like January 4th to January 21st um, my new command that I was under at the time, they started giving me a bunch of arbitrary things to do that would, that would integrate me into the unit when, I think I need to give a little background first. Okay, so I have always said to all of my commanders, I want to work for you, I want to be a Marine, but I need y'all to stop retaliating against me. I need y'all to get rid of all the negative paperwork in my file. And then I will absolutely like be able, be ready and able to work for y'all. Because if not, y'all are just going to keep kicking me around and, and hang this um, negative paperwork over me. Right. So from the, from the days of January 4th or 6th to January 21st, this new command started giving me a bunch of arbitrary stuff to do. And I'm just like, y'all are not making any attempts to actually take care of me as your Marine. Y'all are just trying to take me into your command from the old command who exiled me and further retaliate against me with this negative paperwork on me, um, if, if that makes any sense. Um, so they were able to get me with all those phony freaking charges that you see on my charge sheet, 86, 87, 87, Bravo, 90, and 91. And it's crazy with the disrespect and insubordination, they're, they're, they're phony. They're absolutely bogus because most of my commanders, um, if, if not all, you know, I, I, I stay respectful. I, I keep my composure when I talk to them. My paperwork is professional. Um, they, they just have a problem with, you know, my media contacts, my access, and of course, like my memes on Facebook, like that's really all they have an issue with. they they're they're mad because a lance corporal is literally pointing out big glaring issues that they have either been complicit in complying with or they have no idea how to remedy let's get this clear this is all centered on your refusal 
to take the COVID-19 vaccine, correct? It is. And and they started looking at a bunch of other arbitrary stuff to just not like about me, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. So the charges, I think they've even accused you of fraud, haven't they? Yeah, so they initially tried to administer, well, actually, it was their second attempt to administratively separate me. That happened in November, December, January, right, Um, these past few months. And the charges, right, were the forgery and the unauthorized access, which was all bogus. Yeah, so they tried to accuse me of fraud, um, of literally showing up to work and doing my job. What's the basis of that? That's a curious charge. I've, I've read some on it, but in your words. So, in, and I've, I've, I've already written a, a letter to Ted Cruz about a little bit of the intricacies with this charge. So if the Marine Corps tries to come after me for, you know, admitting uh, here on this podcast, I really don't care because right now I'm not charged with those things anymore. Uh, because they realized how bogus it was. But basically, whenever they tried to separate me back in April of 2022, I was like, no, right? And they had taken my job permissions away. They had uh, kept me from the office or something. They were like, no, sit at your desk and stare at the wall. And I'm like, hell no. So basically, I reinstated my own work permissions. There was no forgery or anything. I contacted the the help desk and I'm like, hey, can I have my can I have my access back? Um, so yeah, I no, I reinstated my own work permissions and they skewed the entire thing to be like, oh well it was forgery. Like, no, you cannot and to my knowledge, right? To my knowledge, you cannot forge a digital signature of your commanding officer. You would have to have access to their CAC, to their computer, and to their code. Like you cannot forge a digital access or uh, signatures on like a SAR form that that it's wild. It's wild how they try to stretch it. Explain what you just said. I understand exactly what you just said, but an audience doesn't. The CAC card and access, that's an important component here. Absolutely. So your CAC card is your common access card that each service member possesses. It's like your ID. It's your military ID. And on this, you have the chip that goes into the computer and it gives you access to your um, your files, your programs, your emails and everything. And it's only unique to your CAT card. And you have the option on certain like Adobe PDF forms to make signatures um, digitally, right? By using your CAT card and saying like, yes, that was me who signed um, the paperwork. So um, does that does that help? It does, because when you're talking about establishing access, if the command didn't want you to have access, they would have shut you off at a higher level. And that's what I'm saying, which, you know, dare I give them credit, they've wisened up a little and they literally have deleted my entire Marine Corps um, computer access. Like everything is gone uh, to this day. But yeah, they, they, they would have done that. They, they would have done that if they were really serious about it, which I think they've just been baiting me, which is really sad because I've been saying I want to work and I will take every opportunity that I can to work and salvage my career. So the fact that they leveraged, you know, my desire to stay in 
and and work for them against me is a tragedy. Somewhere along here, you were arrested and put in the brig. Yes, that came in January of 2023 of this year, January 23rd to be exact. And I knew, <laughs> I knew it was going to happen around that day because the arbitrary orders that they were trying to have me execute was, hey, go schedule your Patriot flight um, by January 21st at IPAC, which is like the installation, uh, like administrative center. They're like, go schedule your flight for January 21st, because that's when you're separating from the Marine Corps. And they told me this like the second week of January. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I only have like 10 more days of freedom before they come arrest me. Uh, so yeah, I, I had, I had kind of foreshadowed the whole brig thing back in May 9th of 2022 on a request masked to my commanding officer then. And I'm like, please stop retaliating against me. This is going to end me up in the brig. And he's like, oh, nobody's going to the brig. But then, of course, they just pawn you off to different commands so they can wash their hands clean of the responsibility of that. So, yeah. So then you were put in the brig. Did it? You went from Japan to Okinawa. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so I went from mainland Japan, which uh, Iwakuni is located on. So I went from mainland to the Okinawa island. Um, on, on a same day, luxury little first class flight with two security guards um, lovingly taking me there. Oh. What was your time like in the brig? Boring. So boring. I was the only female um, at, the, at the Okinawa brig for quite some time. And, oh. It was, it was so boring. It really, one word to describe it is boring. All right. So you weren't, were you interrogated? Were you uh, allowed regular meals? How were you treated? So the first 14 days in the Okinawa Brig, I was kept to my little cell. Couldn't leave it. Um, basically solitary confinement in a way because I did not wear the mask and I did not take the COVID test, um, you know, the brain poke. And they're like, okay, well, we're going to have to just, you know, monitor you and see if you're, you know, COVID free or whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I was able to request books. They brought a Bible. Um, I gave them a topic and they would bring back books on that topic, like psychology or history. Um, yes, they brought meals. You have three meals a day. Um, it was just so boring, Scott. I, I can't, I, I read, I read plenty. I, I definitely kept my mind busy, but uh we could have a whole nother segment about how I feel about prison reform, but um, it, boring, boring and just stale, really. All right. So from the brig, what happens next? Uh, so from the Okinawa brig to the Miramar brig, I have my little SOS letter um, that I sent to my media friends um, because at this point, 
I'm, I understand like, you know, this is, this is not a normal thing that they're putting the, you know, a Marine in prison for like this, this is something that they want to utilize the court martial system and make jail look, um, justifiable but they are really just using this whole court martial and brig system to literally dump me in the united states without my cat card with an unsigned dd214 because they know i won't sign it and just get rid of me at the front of the, the gate and be like okay bye so right that sos letter i send and i go on a hunger strike as soon as i get to the miramar brig for like 10 days and then um People come and visit me and they're like, are you going to talk? And, I, and I'm just like silent, basically. And yeah, um, to the Okinawa, to the Miramar Brig on April 19th. Um, after that, I was pretty much let out of the brig on May 15th, I think, like two Mondays ago. Pretty much without an explanation. Um, but I am very grateful to the people who helped affect that. Um, that's all I'm at liberty to say. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for the people who helped affect that. And then they just let me out of the brig with my chintzy amount of belongings. And yeah. You mentioned that you sent out your SOS letter when you were still in the brig. Yes. How did that happen? Did it give you access to email? So from the Okinawa brig, is a 45 minute drive to the legal office for the Marines on Okinawa. And I would visit about maybe once a week, twice a week, you know, the brig chasers would load you into the van in handcuffs and they'd take you to the place. And then they let you visit with the legal assistance team there. Um, I was, I was pro se at the time. So I was, I was visiting with legal assistance just as like consultation and I'm still pro se. Interject. Okay. What's pro se? Pro se. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Uh, pro se means representing yourself, and I'm still, I'm still pro se right now. So, you know, there were there were defense uh, computers, there were standalone computers that, um, you know, that their 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 clients or anyone seeking help uh, can utilize. So, yeah. So much of what you were, what you're really subjecting you to. I mean, it's not a physical. I wouldn't. I think there's a perception sometimes of physical abuse. Right. What they've done is just trying to wear you down is what it's sounding like. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this all, again, I'm going to, I just keep coming back to this. This stems from the principle that you're refusing to take the, the injection, which we call the bioweapon, the mask, or taking a PCR test. Yes, yes. Um, the, the COVID, the refusal to comply with the COVID uh, narrative, essentially. And um, obviously a big red target got put on my back whenever I started going public with it with Sons of Liberty last year. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's all retaliation for that core idea with all of the other things that I've you know, done, done with it. What's your, from your perspective, from what you're understanding, what is your legal foundation to reject this injection? Well, I'm, and I'm asking this within the context of the military, not, not the civilian world. We as service members, we have the duty, the literal duty to 
follow lawful orders, and even more so, in our oath, we have a duty to defend the Constitution against um, foreign and domestic enemies. So if these domestic enemies are giving us unlawful orders, it is our duty by oath to combat them, whether or not it's a physical warfare or a psychological kind of um, unseen uh, realm or premise. So it is 100% my duty to do this. And I spelled this out for my commanders in my request mass letters and all my appeals to them. I am like, I am literally acting in my office that I signed up to do. And it, it fell on deaf ears. And they're like, oh, well, we can't respond to you because you're you're in a legal process. You're in an administrative process. We don't even have to respond to you. So that that that's that's the foundation um that in the in the military via contract statute law whatever that's that's the foundation what's next excellent question um i still have court martial going on ideally in a miraculous situation i would be acquitted and I would be allowed to reap the benefits of all the provisions that the Pentagon has given, that the MAR admins, the Marine Administrative Letters from vaccinated members have given to the service members. But um, it's a long shot, still praying for it. And uh, after that acquittal and getting back to relative normalcy i would love to be a drill instructor um and then i would probably um do my eight years and then get out of the marine corps but if court goes unfavorably um which i've been prepared for um it would probably be about eight eight more months in the brig um because i already did four i already did four months of pre-trial confinement so that goes towards sentencing and I am in a special courts martial, which means one year maximum of confinement, uh, two thirds taking away your pay for a year and then reduction to E1. And yeah, um, may maybe the eight months of uh, confinement after, you know, whatever the verdict is, is um, maybe a little unreal, but it would probably result in a discharge unfortunately so um i've told my command that you know i want to stay active duty i want to re-enlist i want to do all these things um and i've been willing to endure all of this um, in order to see this covid debacle through and they just they just heaped it on me without any regard for my safety or for the future so, yeah. Why did you choose to go pro se? I've had not the best experience with legal for the last two years, especially in the Marine Corps. Um, even after the last court martial got abated and the charges were withdrawn, I'm very grateful for the time that my lawyer spent and the hours that he spent, the travel, um, the time that he spent, but just like the fallout 
um, of afterwards kind of realizing that, oh, okay, well, he was just going to get it abated and not kind of explore remedies to getting me reinstated. That uh, kind of broke my heart. So there's a lot of trust issues with the legal um, sphere right now. And quite frankly, as maybe selfish as it sounds, um, I, I personally do know my story and all the intricacies um, of it the best. And I, I have not been able to connect with any legal assistance yet. And I say yet, because I do leave my options open. Um, I haven't been able to connect with any legal representation yet or any, um, you know, help or assistance yet that takes into consideration all of the facets of this. You said this is your second court-martial. Explain that. Yeah, it's my second court-martial. Uh, so the first court-martial kicked off around May of 2022, whenever the charges were pressed to me, or referred and preferred. And this was for not boarding the flight and not getting the COVID test that would send me back to the States to separate for not getting the vaccine. So I'm like, well, you have no basis or reason to separate me, so I'm not separating. So they're like, oh, okay, uh, court-martial. And I had originally asked, I, I had originally asked um, to just be put on legal hold, right? I was like, okay, this is the only way I can think of that I can appeal to you as my leadership and men who are over me. Please put me on legal hold. Please let me weather this storm of COVID until it's over and then just take me off legal hold and then I just want to freaking go back to, you know, working. But they took it high into the right. I saw that they were serious about this whole legal thing. And I'm like, oh, they're not going to retain me. They're, they're not going to let, let me just sit on legal hold. They're actually sending me to court. Holy shit. So, yeah, no, that, that, that was the best thing that I could conceive. But, of course, they're like, mm, no. So that was, that was the first court-martial, took its place from May of 2022 all the way to September of 22, and my lawyer had written a motion for abatement because the charges were in the scope of the whole COVID theater, and the judge concurred, abated it, especially due to the Florida court and um, Judge Mary Day, I believe, um, who had stepped in right in time I think uh like in August of 2022 to prohibit um kicking out service members for not getting the vaccine so everything kind of uh, lined up perfectly with timing um but after the charges were withdrawn in September of 2022 then that's really when my leadership was like oh this little Lance Corporal thinks that she can she can just play the system or like, you know, uh, skirt around, whatever. And it's like, no, that's not the case. I literally said, this is going to happen. Please have patience and please retain me. So they were mad. And, and <laughs> it's really funny because all of, all of the things that they're using as evidence against me, um, 
is literally my appeals that I have made to them. I'm like, I'm like, how how does that how does that help y'all's prosecution? Like that 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 just helps me as the defense. So, um, yeah, that's that's how number one. That's how court martial number one happened, and then all of the cornering and all of just the heinous ways that they got charges and charges and charges stacked up against me is how we have found ourselves in this second court martial. So from here, you're, you'll see this resolve. Is it going to be done here in the States or are they going to send you back to Japan? I'm, I'm going to answer that, but I'm going to like kind of toe to toe around um, too many details on that because I do want to, I wish to make sense to your audience and to you as to how f- screwed up this entire situation is. Um, right now, I am pro se and I am 6,000 miles away from my witnesses, from the locations that the alleged crimes have happened. I am severed completely from uh, the support system out there, the spiritual uh, guidance and support system that I had out there for my first court martial. Um, and and they, they've done this deliberately. They have done this deliberately and knowingly and willingly. So, so that's the first thing, right? From a, from a logistical standpoint, they have <laughs> sent me 6,000 miles away from the place that I need to be at to conduct an adequate defense of myself. Um, that, that this, this is what June 5th is uh, motioning for, to literally have the site of trial back in Japan so that hopefully the court, I can motion the court to uh, affect the government to have me at the location where all alleged uh, crimes happen so that I can start interviewing people, so I can start um, preparing my defense, so that I can start site visiting, so I can start doing all of the things that is afforded, right? via the court martial manual, but the defense and the prosecution both are afforded equal opportunity in preparing for a court martial. So equal opportunity, no shit looks like the prosecution and the defense being in the same location, um, as long as it doesn't present a bias or anything to anyone. And I am gravely, largely biased by being away (laughs) from the location um yeah i i hope that made sense it did so you're having to train yourself on the process of becoming a lawyer to defend yourself is that correct essentially yes so i'll read the uh, the court martial manual book with the rules for court martial and the military rules of evidence um it's all very fascinating uh, to learn. I, I really do like reading and I really do like learning. But yes, I am essentially having to educate myself and just get little tidbits of information from uh, legal assistance uh, here and there. Um, and legal assistance yeah. is open to you? So it's it's open. It, it's open. Um, your DSOs, um, your defense service organizations, office around the Marine Corps have walk-in days um on tuesdays and thursdays i believe but um you know just just because i have chosen to go pro se it is i I believe it's more consistent to do the majority of the research on my own and consult um others whenever i 
You just absolutely have to. Are you living on base now? I have a barracks room on base. Uh, they did give me that as soon as I got out of the brig. Um, I mean, it's, it's your standard you know, Marine Corps little barracks. Um, can't really say much other than that. Um, I'm on vacation days right now. I'm on leave. So I am spending time with family right now in San Diego. Okay. All right. So when I'm hearing this, one of the things that I hear that you pose, it would appear that your defiance of their order probably rocks right to the core of the core because Marines are typically known to be those that obey blindly almost. And you've, you've thrown quite a wrench into that process by doing, from what I'm understanding, the right thing, which is standing up against the illegal orders and standing on your oath. Mm-hmm. What's your perception of that with your command? I see that. No, like, okay, so the war fighting manual, right? The war fighting manual from like, what, the 1950s, I think. My friend back from 2021, we dug really deep into that manual. And we saw, I think, a little later in the book about yes men and how yes men are not to be tolerated in the ranks. But obviously as a very um, strong warfighting organization, you need a very, very precious balance of following orders without question, but also having the intellectual capability to identify what is lawful and what is unlawful, right? So when, when you said that, that made me think of, oh, yes. Um, kind of makes me think of the people like, and, and I don't know if this has any correlation to anyone, you know, maybe listening to this, but in my mind, in my mind, whenever you said that, I thought of people like Billy Mitchell and I thought of people like Bobby Garwood who have had, you know, also well-known court marshals in, in the military who were just retaliated against for literally doing their job and yeah, speaking out. And I think, I think Billy Mitchell was not Marine Corps. He was army or air force. Um, but long story short is that, yeah. Um, maybe, maybe there's a lot of, or maybe a handful of yes men that, this kind of thing, right? That speaking out has rocked the core to the core, as you said, but it was never my intention to, you know, rock or anything. It was just like, I'm doing my job. How is me doing my job such a, such an egregious thing, right? If, if, if that makes sense, does, does that make sense? I hope. Yes, it does. It does. I mean, this, uh, the, we have a very short memory within our military, and we've I've talked about this. Uh, Lieutenant William Calley, which was Miley, and that was it was established in that case following this the Miley massacre in 1968 that soldiers, not just commanders, but soldiers, were held accountable for following illegal orders. Mm, mm-hmm. So that that's a principal issue. What I see here that you are doing exactly as is expected. And we've established fairly clearly that it appears now that the Defense Department has retracted its mandate and the courts have supported that. Is that correct? 
Uh, what was the last part that they retract the mandate and then what? Have the courts supported that action? Well, in this case, no. <laughs> um, because my command has been just trying to say, oh, this isn't COVID related. This is entirely separate. Um, false. And y'all know that's false. Um, have the courts supported it? I, I am not vividly aware at this time if there's any other um, court proceedings within this sphere um, I would have hoped they would have gotten dropped by now uh, in virtue uh, in relation to the Pentagon letter but um, I I don't see the court <laughs> supporting that yet in this case um, and neither was my leadership uh, supporting. Okay. So you're into this next week. You're heading into your hearing. If until then, everything's kind of in stasis. Is that correct? Essentially, yes. And will this be all on your vacation time, or will you be back on duty station? I'll be I'll be back um, from leave. I think my leave is over like Thursday. Okay. Where can people find out about you or support you? I'm on Facebook, first name, last name. Um, that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I also have email. Um, Scott, do you like want me to give my email? Um, I don't know if there had a funding site or if you needed anything. That's kind of oh oh um no that is um is not applicable um, right now at this time. So. Okay, sounds good. Well, we always close with a prayer. Let me close with a prayer. Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you for this time that we've had here with um, this young Marine who is truly standing up for what we know to be an egregious problem in our country which is the obedience to blind orders that ultimately are illegal, especially in terms of the vaccination that we're dealing with. Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett, Father, is, is once again standing, is doing it, an action that so many more must do to literally stand up and speak truth to power. We ask that you'll continue to watch over her and bless her and hear her heart as in the truth that's spoken that um, if she so deserves to continue to serve, that that opportunity is provided and that in these times that there's a reason that settles in with the courts martial to understand the importance and value of a young voice in, a, in, a, in, a, in somebody young in leadership to stand up to illegal orders, orders that are obviously wrong, and to be able to highlight those without retaliation. We hope that this moment in the course history will be one rather than trying to brush it under the rug. We pray for the fact that it will continue. It will move forward a narrative necessity to awaken the many, to realize the egregious errors that have been made within our Department of Defense, and to inspire others to do the same. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Scott, beautiful prayer. Thank you for having me on. And to your audience and to you, peace of Christ. Thank you very much. We wish you the best and keep you in prayers and um, we'll stay in touch. Yes, sir. Sounds good, Scott. Thank you so okay. much. You bet. God bless you. Talk to you soon. God bless. Bye-bye. 
Well, Patriots, that was Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett. She is one courageous Marine. I have known some Marines. I will tell you, I don't know that I have met a Marine, especially of her rank, that has the courage and strength that she does in spite of all she's been faced with. And there's some good Marines out there. But unfortunately, you know, it doesn't matter. In the warfighting sense is one thing. This type of war takes a different type of courage. It takes the most difficult courage because this type of courage literally requires people to stand up to the enemy's domestic. And she's finding it. She's standing up against it and putting everything on the line for it. I want to add an additional prayer if you would please join me because this is one of these that we need to keep everybody's focus and put put prayers for her. Father God, we just we're going to declare in the in the name of our Savior Jesus and in his name and the authorities given to us here. We're declaring justice, Father. We're told of the parable of the old woman who went to the judge who didn't want to give justice, and she prayed and she spoke and asked for justice, and you provided, Father. So, Father, we're asking in all the authorities given to us that justice be delivered here, that this young lady, Lance Corporal Catherine Arnett, have her file cleansed, removed from all the blemishes put on it because of her doing the right thing, that those rules that were put in place by the Department of Defense for those soldiers that took the injection, that they be given to her equally and fairly, that she be reinstated into her job, and that her interest in becoming a drill sergeant be realized. Father, this is one of these egregious moments where people that have been caught doing bad and they know they're wrong are unfortunately so wrapped in their ego and their pride and in the sense of the Marine Corps, it is intense that they are unwilling to admit wrong. And we're praying for truth as well in this, Father, that there's a, a realization that wrong was done and that in so doing, that this justice will be righted and this ship will be put on the right path and that we will see this young lady have an amazing effect across the entire command structure. This is a David and Goliath moment, Father. So, Father, bring the enemy to her hands and let the enemy be beheaded and let it be revealed and let the let the weakness of that army be scattered and let the mightiness of the new army rise within. Guide her and protect her, Father, and we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. This is a real warrior, and it's inspiring to see somebody of this age who has taken the responsibility. I look at myself when I was 25, and I, I had some spit and fire in me too, and I'm going to say that this is courageous. She's She's taking it upon herself to learn the legal code, to stand up to what's right. She understands her oath. She's standing boldly on that oath and on the issues, not only of enemies, foreign and domestic, but the fact that this was an illegal and unlawful order. And it proves it because the Marine Corps didn't force vaccinate her. They didn't kick her out immediately. They know that they were walking a gray line here. And if you've heard what Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers has said, this all comes down to commander's responsibility. When the Department of Defense passed down its orders, it didn't say that it was going to be the responsibility of the Pentagon. It said that each commander was ultimately going to be accountable, which means they're accountable both for the good and the bad. These people have known this. 
and they know that they're wrong and they know that they're out of line, but the weakness within our command structure is, is unbelievable. And I've witnessed it too much over the last few years. And I've lost some friends over it, That one of which was in the Corps, because he himself demanded that his soldiers take the vax. And that was it for me. I, and I, I cannot accept that in this case, knowing at all, knowing what we were against. And here's a young lady who is standing up and she still wants to serve. They can't even meet their recruitment goals and they have somebody who wants to serve. So this tells you as well, if they do not allow her to stay in, what they're trying to do. They are ultimately, I believe, afraid of a person like this, of a soldier with this much courage that can speak out this much. I hope I'm wrong. And I hope that our father delivers justice and that we are able to keep people like this inside to help shape the future soldiers with the right attitude. Keep your prayers up for her. Patriots, I'll see you tonight. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots. I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask 
not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. <laughs> 